time to find balance and be refreshed here on Every Heart, Every Woman. Every Heart, Every Woman. Get ready for uplifting music and inspiring interviews. Every Heart, Every Woman. Let's get motivated to move forward as we share our life experiences. Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Carla Nivens. I am your host for the Every Heart, Every Woman radio show. Before we jump into our interview for today, let's set the tone with a little bit of live music. This is It Is Well. It is performed by a group that I am a member of called For Change. Sit back and enjoy. Mom! 
Well, welcome back to the show, everyone. My name is Carla Nivens. I am your host for the Every Heart, Every Woman radio show. I truly hope you enjoyed it as well. Our radio show is a program of Love Ministries, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can find out more information about Love Ministries from their website. Go to loveministriesbuilds.org. Well, everyone, I'm so excited to jump into our interview for today. We are welcoming Douglas File. Douglas is the Chief Program Officer at the National Breast Cancer Foundation, and Douglas is also a member of For Change, so he is singing on it as well, as well as some other music that you've heard on our radio show, and Douglas is also a friend of mine from Texas Tech. We, we met in college. So welcome to the show, Douglas. It's great to be here. It's an honor to be here. And yeah. Well, we're, we're so excited. So honestly, I think we have known each, I guess we met in about 1994. Yeah, 94. 1994. Yeah. Fall of 1994. Fall of 1994. And uh, we met at Tech and um, it, it was like the Lord put us in each other's lives and, and we've been um, really good friends, you know, moving forward. We both got married um, and have children. And, um, and so the Lord is still continuing to bless us and to allow us to um, just have this close friendship where we can help each other through life. So, Douglas, I'm so excited that you are here with us. I have invited you to come on because I know your, um, you know, kind of your testimony and your journey in life as it relates to, uh, to race. And I would love for you to share with our listeners kind of your, um, first of all, your background, share with, how, with us how you grew up and, and how kind of the Lord uh, used the word to, uh, to teach you and to allow you to see a way um, that a way of life that's pleasing to him. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, I know this has been a, a heartbreaking week for me and I've, many people in our country. It's just been tragic and sad. And, and um, I think I was saying something the other day that I think the, only, the one hope I see is that there's work to be done and that there is something we can do. There's actually, uh, it's not just words that we say, but there's actions that we can take. And that gives me hope that there's work, that this isn't hopeless. Uh, and so, but yeah, like you said, I, I had a very interesting upbringing. I grew up in a little small town, the very top of the Texas panhandle. Uh, I was six miles away from Oklahoma. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say <laughs> the name of the town, but uh, <laughs> just a little town in the in the Panhandle. And um, when I was growing up, I think there was about six or seven thousand people in my town, and uh, it was predominantly white. Uh, and when I say predominantly, I don't believe there was a single black person living in my town when I was born or when I was raised. That's changed now. The demographic has definitely changed, um, which is good, but that's how I grew up. And so my exposure to black people was TV. And, um, and I remember from an early age, uh, my mom, uh, 
raised us uh, to be against racism. She was very adamant about that. My mom served in the Vietnam War. She was a nurse. She was a nurse at the local hospital, and she always she did she did a wonderful job raising us and taught us right from wrong. But I knew that it was deeper than that. That it wasn't just about right or wrong. That something was severely off. And, and I saw it all around me and I was always curious about what it was and like, why, um, why do I live in this town? Uh, why, why does everybody look like me? But then on TV, there's something else going on here. And then, uh, and I knew something was wrong and I wanted to figure it out. And, um, and I knew it was racism and I knew that racism existed very early on in my life. I saw it, I heard it, I heard comments and I knew they were wrong. And, but I was still in this world in this kind of bubble. And so that was, that was crazy. It was, it was very challenging. Um, and that's how I grew up. Um, so yeah. And that, yeah. Yeah. So Douglas, you and I, we've talked a lot about um, the dinner table and and jokes that are uh, shared and different thoughts um, and beliefs that are shared at the dinner table. When we met at Texas Tech, we talked a lot about just kind of family dynamics and things that are taught and passed down. Um, You had a lot of questions from me, but you also shared with me a lot of the things that you learned. And we, during those early on conversations for the two of us, when we were in college, I think that's where we decided that when we have children, we are going to make sure that we protect that time at the dinner table when we are um, sharing Uh, just sharing life lessons and when we're teaching and when our kids can see from examples, see us um, as an example of how we tell jokes and things like that. But can you give us a little clue into um, why you kind of felt that that time should be protected as you um, are sharing things at the dinner table with your children? Um. Well, I, I think that like with my wife and I, Jody, um, we, we've just decided early on when we, before we had kids that we wanted to, uh, make sure that our kids, that we had that time for dinner and that we had those conversations, um, at the table. And when I, I, I think the conversations are just generally about anything, you know, um, spirituality, what they were doing at school, you know, and we also do talk quite a bit about uh race and and inequality and racism and uh th- these are conversations that we have at the table and they're very important um it's something that i think i had that growing up but we didn't talk about there's a lot of stuff we didn't talk about i think we were kind of a different family but for my family we uh yeah it's it's just important to have that time i mean for us we're so busy it's pretty much the only time we actually do come together and look each other in the eye. That's important to look somebody in the eye to say, how are you doing? How are you feeling today? What happened? And sometimes kids will have a tendency to not want to talk. And so you have to kind of dig in a little bit deeper to get them uh, to do that. And we, we do that, you know, if they say, I don't know, it was good. 
I'm like, okay, wait, that's not, you know, that's not going to work at the table. We're not doing that. So you need to. And so they've kind of learned now that it's, you know, I don't know if that answers your question, but. Yes, it, it does. It, it does. And, and I know that um, I'm going to ask a follow up question, but I'm, I'm also going to share a little bit about um, and because I know that in every household, when you're having these conversations about race um, and racism, it can look a little different. And in our household, um, because my my husband is black, my I have a daughter who's also black, and then my son, of course, is also black. So when we are having conversations um, about race, there are some things that we have to share you know, with our children, especially with our son, um, about the way that he speaks, um, about the way that he dresses, um, about, because, you know, people will treat him differently if he has on a hoodie, uh, as opposed to if he is, you know, dressed in a nice shirt and slacks. And, because his world, in his world, with his friends, his friends are just his friends. So they are, you know, pretty much, they, they're just enjoying each other and doing life together. But if he's going to be out, you know, dealing with uh, different um, adults and, and, and uh, different figureheads, that is where there is, you know, there can come a point where, um, he could pre- be perceived in different ways. So we have to have those conversations with him. We have to make sure that we pass that on to him and teach him so that he doesn't get, um, hopefully, doesn't come into a situation where he receives a treatment that is unfair to him. Um, and so that's kind of how we have to talk about it in our house how what differs when you are talking about it in your house and i hope you don't mind me saying this but uh that's exactly i mean even the differences in that conversation that's privilege that is you know i'm not having that conversation with my kids about oh be careful you know when you go out um what i'm saying to them is don't be racist and here's some books you need to read. Uh, you need to study this. You need to understand this. You need to understand that this is what's going on in the world. This, you need to understand why it's wrong. You need to understand the history, when it started, how, it's got, how we've gotten to this place. That's the conversation I'm having my, with my kids. I'm not telling my kids to not wear a hoodie. And that's a huge difference. And, and that does speak to probably, honestly, privilege. I, I hope that's okay for me to say, <laughs> but yeah. it's true. It's the truth. And, and my kids know it. And from day one, we've had these conversations that, you know, not everybody gets this privilege. And what are you going to do about it? What are you actually going to do? And I'm really proud of my kids because they are, they're aware and, they're growing and it's not like when I grew up, it's totally different. And, and that's, what's so great about having a family is you can, and, and that's, what's so great about change. You know, you don't have to be the way you grew up. You don't have to be, uh, what you heard as a kid, you can change your heart and then you can change your family. And that is what we need. 
And, and I'm seeing it with my kids. I'm seeing that they're coming back to me and like, you won't believe what happened at school today. These, uh, my kids are challenging of their friends. They're like, you can't say this stuff. They're coming back and telling me that I didn't really have that opportunity because everybody looked like me in my school. But, um, uh, I did hear bad stuff though. Growing up, I heard horrible stuff, horrible. That's why I know when people are like, it doesn't exist. I'm like, uh, <laughs> what world are you living in? Cause the one I was living in, I, that's all I saw, quite frankly. I mean, I heard all the stuff. Well, you know, let, let me ask you this, because you, I, I know that, you know, some people listening are probably really, you know, everybody's looking at the news and all of these reports are going out. And maybe there are some individuals who are trying to figure out how can I be the change? Well, I want to ask you when, when we met, when, when you and I met, um, it was like the Holy spirit just put us into each other's lives. And we know about when we met, but we don't even know the day or anything like that. It just kind of seems like we were always, yeah, yeah. yeah, we, you know, we were always friends. And, and when we met, we, we were fast friends and we had very meaningful conversations about all different areas of life. Um, script from scripture to just normal things. I mean, you would ask me about, um, hair, about food, about the food my mom cooked. Um, you asked about every single thing and, and it was, that was fine for me because you were actually, looking for answers. And these are, I could tell that in your heart, these were things that you didn't know and you did not experience them growing up. And you just wanted, you just wanted to know. And so I, I actually encourage um, individuals who have questions to find a friend to ask these questions because um, there's so much that you can learn from different cultures. Um, I, I grew up in Oak Cliff and when I went to my first uh, quinceanera, I I came back and I told my mom, man, that was the best thing I've ever been to. Like you go to a church service and you commit these things to the Lord and then your parents throw you this huge party. Yeah. Why, why doesn't every culture do this? It, it made no sense. So my mom did one for me because I was just like, I, I have no idea why we aren't doing this, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's so much, this is one thing, but there's so much that I have picked up from other cultures that I've taught my children. And I want, I, I really would love for you to explain to people, why did you have it in your heart to learn about other cultures? When you grew up in one culture, and that's kind of, you know, kind of your whole experience and um, negative things were said about other cultures, what made you even think, I'm going to push past all of that. And I want to know about other cultures. You know, I don't know the answer to that. Like when I was a kid, I think I just, I don't know. It's always been on my heart. I can't explain it. I just always knew that racism was wrong. And I always knew that what people were saying around me was wrong. I just knew it. Uh, But I, and I don't know why, but even in that world, I was still a little bit off. And you, if you recall, when I went to Texas Tech, I probably said a lot of insensitive, not probably, I did. I said 
dumb stuff. And I didn't really, I still didn't get it. I think you probably, you're, you're being nice, but you know, I probably said some really dumb things. And I remember one time we were singing and you told me, this was my like, you know, Oprah always has those aha moments. This was the moment that hit me upside the head. You guys had asked me to go to, I was singing, I was in a music class. I think that's where we met in a music class. And you're like, you can sing, you should come be in, or you should come check out my gospel choir. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And, and I think we were on the way and it hit me that I was going to be the only white person in the room. And for some reason, I was just terrified. I was like, oh man, you know, everybody's going to be staring at me. I'm not going to belong. They're not going to want me in there, whatever. I was just having all these fears and all these thoughts. And I was, I remember on the way back, we were in the car and there was, it was you and a couple guys. I don't remember. There was about four of us in the car and I was sitting in there and I, and somebody asked me how it was. And I went back to that place of fear. And I was like, well, everybody's staring at me and, and blah, blah, blah. And I was going off on that. And it got really quiet in the car. And by the way, it took a while to get from that place back to campus. Why? In Lubbock. Remember that? How mm-hmm. long that took <laughs> that drive? Why is that? Why is that? Anyway, um, I remember being in the car and it got really quiet. And some uh, one of your friends spoke up and said, that's how I feel every day of my life. And I just, I didn't get it until that moment when he said that. Well, I, I should take it back. That hit me like a brick. Then the very next day, I went into my biology class. And do you remember those big, huge classes that we would go into? And there's like 300 people in the class and yes. sitting in the round. It's like a stadium seating. Mm-hmm. And I remember going in there and, and that was ringing in my ears. That comment was ringing in my ears. And I looked around as everybody was sitting down and I saw one black person in the room. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is how, this is the feeling that, that, that people have every day. That thing that I thought was so hard that I went through yesterday or whatever. So, you know. And I decided right then and there, I will never think that way again. I cannot think that way again. I have to move from this place of just acknowledging that it's wrong to a different place where I need to be immersed into this and I need to be a part of the the fixing why this is happening. Um, That this is bigger than me um, and that it affects so many people. And that's kind of when my heart changed. But you don't grow immediately. You don't all of a sudden wake up. You know, people talk about being woke. You don't, you're not woke overnight. That's a long time. You got to read, you got to study, you got to immerse yourself in cultures. You've got to sit at the table, like you said, with you got to fix your table, really. And that's the work you have to do. And and I'm still doing it. Like here we are 20 years later and I don't feel like I've arrived at all. Like there's still further for me to go. Um, but you do have to have that moment. You, especially if you're white and you're like, I don't get this. You got to have a moment. Mm-hmm. I, I I like that. There are so many things that you said that I, I want to ask questions, follow up questions for. Um, and you know what? I, 
I want to, you know, literally commend you, Douglas, you saying that you have work to go, but um, you have done so much, you know, in, in the years that we've known each other. And um, I thank the Lord for you in, in my life and in, you know, my, my family's life. So we need to take a break, but when we come back, we, we're going to get back, uh, jump back into where you left off. We'll be back in just a minute. Every Heart, Every Woman, the show where women find balance, peace, and inspiration. Now let's get back to the show with your host, Carla Nivens. Well, welcome back to the show, everyone. My name is Carla Nivens. I am your, I'm your host for the Every Heart, Every Woman radio show. Well, we are having a great conversation with Douglas File. Douglas is the Chief Program Officer at the National Breast Cancer Foundation. And Douglas and I, we've been friends since 1994, since we met at Texas Tech University. And uh, we're both worship leaders, singing in churches and, and uh, around town for and traveling a little some for um, all of these years. And I'm really thankful for uh, Douglas and his family and our close friendship, um, his close friendship with, with our family. Douglas, I want to jump back in into one of the things that you said. One of the things you said in the first um, segment of the, of the radio show is that when you, when we met and you were asking questions and wanting, sincerely wanting to know and learn um, about other cultures and learn how to, um, how to have friends from other cultures, what things to say, what things not to say, you said that sometimes you probably said the wrong thing. And I will be honest with you, um, none of your questions bothered me. I never felt like you were saying the wrong things because you were being honest and you truly, um, like you said, learned some things from TV, which we all know that TV is not, you know, of course the, the best place to learn things from. Oh. So you just had, you know, <laughs> that yeah. was your only experience, you know? So yeah. 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 So you, you honestly had just, just some honest questions and I want to, I want to give people permission and, and I want to kind of take the stigma off of that because I think, I think it's important to read and, and to be well read and, and to know history and all of that, but it really comes into practice through relationships yes. with other people. Yes. And there are going to be times when things come out of our mouths in the wrong way. And yeah. It, it is it's up to us to say, listen, this is a person who is pursuing a friendship with me, pursuing a relationship with me, and everything isn't going to be um, 100%. Mm -hmm. You know, especially at the beginning, we're going to make some missteps, and, and, and that's okay, you know? Um, and so I just want to give people permission, you know, to, to, to do that, to, to have hard um, conversations, to ask deep questions, to ask the things that you may think, I can't ask this question at all, 
you know, go ahead and find a friend that you can ask those questions to, because that is how that is how we are going to change the world. I I believe that we're not we may not change the world on this big, you know, scale. It's going to come through different you know, different relationships. It's going to come through one relationship, you know, at a time. So is there anything else, Douglas, that you want to say to people to encourage people to um, to feel comfortable asking questions and maybe saying the wrong things at times? Well, I don't want to encourage people to say the wrong things. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's not a good idea. It may happen. Uh, it may happen. Oh, no, and, and you know, and I said, probably I said wrong things. And then I amended it. And I said, I did say wrong. I don't even want to come off as uh, making an excuse for myself. I, I did say dumb things. I, I can't remember all of them, but I, I, I'm sure I did. And I know I did. And, but I think too, uh, this, I'm just speaking for myself. I can't speak for a group of people. I can only speak for myself, first of all. And one thing I'll say, uh, if you don't have friends or close personal relationships with people of different races, backgrounds, you're missing out on life. You are literally missing out on life. You are missing out. And yes, it may be hard for you, but um, so for example, you know, if you don't have close if you don't have close black friends and you're white, that's, I feel sad for you because you're missing out on that uh, aspect of life and uh, it, you need to fix it. And it may be you stumbling, you may stumble along the way, you may say the wrong things and you have to learn from them. But think about this, especially if you're white. Um, do you think it was uncomfortable to go through slavery? and Jim Crow, and segregation, and and even up to this day, do you think it's all the things that have happened in the last few years and, and many years uh, uh, with people dying in the streets? Is that uncomfortable? Yes. So if you're a little bit uncomfortable or you make a mistake and you get corrected, um, it's okay. Go back to your house and get over it and realize, is that too strong? I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's okay for you to be uncomfortable and to get, and, but I'm, I'm telling you, if you push through, if you read Toni Morrison, if you read, uh, and study and you get close relationships and you make yourself uncomfortable a little bit or whatever, if you're uncomfortable and you keep pushing through, you're, you're going to be better off and you're going to, your life is going to be better. I mean, one of the things with me, and I, I encourage this with all my friends, but just people, people in general, be curious, be curious, be a curious person, ask questions, learn. Um, but be, but, uh, but also, like you said, give your permit, give yourself permission to make mistakes. You may have to pay for them, by the way, if you screw up really bad, like you may literally offend, you may hurt somebody's feelings. And that hurts. Doesn't that hurt when you hurt somebody's feelings and then you, and they're like, you hurt my feelings and I'm sad. And they run off crying. Does that make you feel good? Like learn from it. Don't do it again or try not to do it again. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then if you're uncomfortable in that situation, you're like, Oh, they were so sensitive and it still doesn't feel good. So don't do it. You know, like we got to learn, we got to get better and we have to, I don't know if I'm, I'm just rambling now, but 
Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. But, you know, I think, yes, there, there, you know, could be uncomfortable yeah. moments for both parties, you know, but true friends will stick it out. And, and, yeah. you know, we, you know, it will, it, 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 everything will work, you know, as we yeah. continue to, to love and to show Christ loves, uh, to, to one another. And one of the things that I kind of suggest that people do, we kind of, Douglas, you and I, we had a common, um, love of music. Yeah. And so it was, you know, very easy for us to connect over music, which is what we connected through first. And, and then we, you know, built this friendship that has lasted all of, all of these years. So I encourage people, you know, to, for you, you might love golf. And so it's a, mm-hmm. it would be an, an easier time for you to find someone else um, that doesn't look like you is from, you know, a different race and a different culture and you all can connect over golf. It can be, yeah. it can be anything, you know, for, for us, it was music and Douglas, you, I mean, you kind of took it upon yourself to even immerse yourself. You joined the gospel choir at Texas Tech and, um, and, and I believe that that's what you were referring to when you were saying we were we were on the bus and we were going to sing. And when, when the realization came, oh yeah, um, you know, that you were the only white person on the bus and, um, with, you know, traveling with us. And, um, I, I feel like in those instances, those were the instances where you learned so much about, yeah. you know, the culture. I mean, you really immersed yourself and maybe, Maybe that's too much of a step for some people, but if that's what you have in your heart to do, our listeners, if that's what you have in your heart to do, if you really want to immerse yourself into another culture, um, I encourage you to do it because that's where you learn about the culture, appreciate different people, learn to love all kinds of people and learn to value the life of all kinds of people. That's where we want to get to, where we value the life of every single person because we are all um, God's creations. We are his, you know, sons and daughters and the Lord loves us. Mm -hmm. Um, equally and he values our lives equally and so we have to get to the point where we are um our lives are so much uh, filled with the power of the holy spirit and we are um living our lives for the lord that we get to the point where we value every single person's life as much as we value our own and we want good for people and we want to share our yeah. lives with people so you did that you became you know a member of the gospel choir and and um and and so you kind of got a taste of what it you know life for so many other uh, people um you know of of color we find ourselves in situations all of the time you know yeah. i do um where i may be the only black person in the room the only black female in the room and um, I have to be okay with that. And I have to um, be okay with immersing myself yeah, into right. another culture. And thank the Lord that my parents 
taught us to um, that our friends should be people who are like us in the in in the way that they love the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, love each other and, the, you know, they're, we're walking through life together, serving the Lord. So my friends are all kinds of different people. And I have been like that since I was a child. And so Douglas, I know that you and I have talked about this, that we actively teach our kids yes. to do the same thing. Yes. And because that may be, that may not be comfortable or that may not be natural for every child, you may have to actually teach that. Yeah. Um, when we go on cruises, which my family, we like to go on a lot of cruises and we encourage our kids to meet all kinds of different people and then come introduce, you know, your new friends to us so that we know that you are out there talking to different kinds of people. Douglas, how do you and Jody, what, what is your message to your children about, um, opening their lives to all kinds of different kinds of friends. Um, we've been really fortunate in our neighborhood that we've had different, um, like, be you know, I have three girls, and my youngest daughter, her best friend, I think two houses down, she's Indian. Um, they're they're from India, and then uh, two houses down on the other side, uh, a Colombian family, uh, and those those are, we're all, that we're all in the block and we're just all, you know, that's just our life. And so, um, for them, I, I, it, it's really different to see their upbringing because they're around so much diversity, uh, within their schools and where the school that they're in, but also just where we live. And it's so different than the way I grew up. And so, I don't know. It's just, it's a beautiful thing to see. And that's what I was going to say earlier. You know, if you don't do that, and if you're not doing that in your life, I don't want to convince you to do that. But I will say you're missing out. You're totally missing out. And so with my kids, that's kind of, we haven't really had a, we we have conversations absolutely about racism and why it's wrong. And, and, and even especially, like I said earlier, the history of it is very important. It's very important to understand how we got to this place mm-hmm. so that we can move forward. So we do teach our kids that, and we make them read books and and study what's what's ha- what's happened in the past and then where we are now. But for them, and we have these conversations with them. But what I'm seeing with my kids is it's happening more organically, and maybe it is because. Uh, they've seen it modeled maybe, you know, with us, with our family. Mm-hmm. And they see that our friends are all different races. I mean, you got, you guys came to our Christmas party and, and yes. it's like every, and I, you know, it's funny. People commented to me later, but I, I didn't even occur to me that most of my friends are different races. I just didn't think, I don't think about it anymore. Cause you know, whatever. But, um, I had other people pull me aside later and say, Oh, I noticed you're, and they, they asked me questions about it. They're like, what did you do? You know, what do you do? Or how did you get, like, they wanted it. They wanted it. They right. wanted it too. Right. Like, yeah, right. I know you're missing out. Like you, but you got to build it. And, and I think my kids have seen it modeled in our lives. And then they, they've, like I said, we've studied 
you've got to study and read and and then you got like you said immerse yourself and but it, i i almost feel bad i i hope this doesn't sound weird but a part of me wants to sell this to people but then a part of me i'm like you know what you need to figure it out because because is that bad i'm sorry but just well, it's like you're if you don't see it then i don't know maybe that needs to change first if you don't see the value in it if you don't see the value in it that you got to start there you got to get the value uh-huh. doing this or whatever and then uh-huh. i don't know if that's well i think <laughs> i think that it, the value the i think understanding the value comes with you know as as we dig into scripture and as we learn um and and get the lord's heart for mm-hmm. ourselves and the world i think that's where we pick up the value for it yeah, yeah. and then then after that we just have to do the practical things to open up our lives you know to to, to other people i i love that you brought up christmas because i I look at my Christmas cards and I, I want that to reflect, you know, the, the rainbow of different families that our family is, you know, is in friendship with and in relationship with. I, you know, I, I want, I want a rainbow there Mm -hmm. of, of Christmas cards. And, and I really do look at that every single year to see, you know, who, who are we in, in relationship with. And, Because you're right, it is, it's taught, but it's also modeled, you mm-hmm. know, for your, for your children. It will be just second nature for them. And, and hopefully we can, um, hopefully we can move things forward in this world with valuing other people's lives with mm-hmm. our children. And, and it can just be like, this just comes from their heart. Like they just love everyone. Yeah. Um, they, they don't have this separate side, you know, thing that's going on in, in our world right now and the non-valuing of lives that the Lord created is just, um, heartbreaking this that's going on right now. So Douglas, tell us about your work as the chief program officer at the National Breast Cancer Foundation. Yeah. So I'm at the National Breast Cancer Foundation. Um, and our mission is to help women now that are affected by breast cancer. And we do that through a number of programs, but we specifically focus on early detection, detecting breast cancer early, educating the importance of early detection, and our support services. Um, I think a lot of times people think of cancer charities as uh, um, doing the research to find a cure. And that's very important, and a lot of progress has been made. Um, but we, really want to focus on the person and the woman specifically that's diagnosed today. Um, A future cure may not help somebody diagnosed today. So what can we do to save lives and to improve the quality of lives of women that are impacted today that are diagnosed? And so that's what we focus on. We have partnerships with hospitals across the country uh, to fund mammograms and diagnostic services, screenings, uh, for the uninsured. There's still millions, tens of millions of uninsured uh, patients across the country, and it's actually increasing right now. 
And then we also want to educate about the importance of early detection, when to do it, you know, when do you start getting a mammogram? Uh, when is it important? What, what do you need to do if you're diagnosed? You know, uh, what does survivorship look like? Um, you know, a lot of people are struggling with mental health right now. So we, we educate about these, these topics. Um, and then we also have support programs. Uh, one of, a couple of our support pro programs I'm really proud of, uh, we offer a hope kit. And about, I would say about six years ago, we actually surveyed 1,500 breast cancer patients. And we asked them, when you were diagnosed and you were going through treatment, what were the products or the things that were most helpful to you? And they told us. And we put it in a box and we call it the Hope Kit. And we distribute thousands, tens of thousands of them every year. And we give, uh, so when a patient's diagnosed, they open up the box and they get these items. Um, and then we also have a program called a metastatic breast cancer retreat, which I'm really proud of. As you guys uh, know, as Carla, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I lost my mom uh, many years ago to cancer as well. So it's, you know, it's been a, a process, but uh, the retreats that we offer are for stage four. These are patients that are terminal and they spend an entire weekend at a retreat facility and there's two things that we ask them. We ask them, what are your hopes for the rest of your time? And what are your fears? And we spend the entire weekend tackling that. And, uh, you know, our facilitators are wonderful. We work with a facilitator from Johns Hopkins and she'll do surveys at the beginning of the metastatic retreats. And she'll simply say, what, um, uh, is your level of fear? If it's a zero to 10, what is your level? You know, the, most of them will say eight, nine. You know, I'm afraid of dying. I'm afraid of leaving my kids without uh, a mom, you know. And by the end of the retreat, she'll do the same survey and, and she's, it's down to four, hmm. five. It's still there. There's still fear. There's still anxiety, but it's significantly lower. And we know that if we can do that, we can improve the quality of their, the rest of their time. So I'm really, that's the one program I'm most proud of. It's something my mom didn't have. Um, she probably would have, uh, it would have really changed her outcome, especially the last six months of her life. So that's what we do. I love it. And it's also in line with what we're talking about. Um, breast cancer, uh, mortality impacts black women at a greater rate than white women. That's just the facts. Hmm. Why? Um, it goes back to all these topics that we talked about, but mainly and chiefly inequality. And we are really fighting to end that. Um, and, 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 that's, and that's what I was saying earlier too. You may not be able to say all the right things on Facebook and in front of your friends, but you can take action. You can do something. You can work with these nonprofits that are trying to end racism. You can, even ours, I mean, I'm not trying to plug our nonprofit, but we are doing that work. Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. I think the takeaway from our conversation today is don't don't try to think huge. I don't, I don't yeah. even know what the huge answer is. The Lord will tell us, you know, in in time. But if you think if you can think small, figure out a way to build relationships with yeah. those who are uh, from a different culture. Learn how to love and how to appreciate and how to value 
everyone's life um, the way that our Father in heaven, Jesus Christ, yeah. does. I, I think that is the takeaway from our conversation. So, Douglas, I thank you so much for your time. I thank you for um, being willing to, to be open, to share uh, your testimony, to share your life with us. Um, can you give us the the website for the National Breast, Breast oh, yeah. Cancer Foundation? It's mbcf.org, so nationalbreastcancerfoundation.org, mbcf.org. Wonderful. So um, everyone, I, I encourage you to, to look that up. Our radio show is a program of Love Ministries, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Go to loveministriesbuilds.org. For Love Ministries, go to carlanivens.com to find out all of the things that are going on with me in this radio show. Everyone have a wonderful week. We'll see you back here next week. Mm-hmm.